Welcome to the Sacred Dance. This podcast will aid you in finding balance in a polarizing reality and fulfillment through living out your dharma. I'm your host, Annette Maria, founder of Sanctuary Publishing, purpose and feminine embodiment coach, an intuitive facilitator of healing. You will experience solo transmissions from me and conscious conversations with leading experts in spirituality, sexuality, healing, and the energetics behind it all. We are going deep into all that we experience on this human ride. It's time for life to feel like a sacred dance. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to the Sacred Dance. Today I'm here for a conscious conversation with Kelly McCarthy. She is a universal energy teacher and animal communicator and we're talking all things animal energy work and how animals relate to us as humans. So welcome Kelly to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So how are you doing today? I am fantastic. It is a beautiful, crisp, chill uh, day here in Connecticut and I love this weather. You can taste the spring, but there's still a little bit of winter left. Amen. I, I feel that too here in New Jersey. So I, I get the excitement. Um, so first, let's just start by telling us a bit about yourself and the work that you do in this world relating to animal energy work. Absolutely. Thank you. So as a universal energy, I'm all about our energetic footprint and how when we learn to harness our own, we can actually create legacies that matter. And when people understand their own energetic frequency, they understand the imprint that they have on all beings. And this goes for everyone, humans, as well as animals. And many times we don't realize the energetic imprint we have on the animal kingdom. So when we learn more about our own energy, we can realize how much of an important part of the animal kingdom we truly are. Mm, absolutely. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. So let's dive into first the animal, right? The animal side, working with tangible animals, right? You work with, you know, animals that may be feeling sick or disarrayed. Is that correct? I work with all animals. So I work with wild and domestic. So okay. when I'm working with domesticated animals, it's usually because the human is feeling that the animal is off in some way, or they've had a diagnosis of being sick. They're seeing some behavior that they're not really familiar with, or they're uncomfortable with. So they need that guidance to help them understand better what their animal is going through at that moment. So when I'm working with domesticated animals, it's really to be that bridge to help their human better understand what it is they need throughout that time, whatever is happening within their lives. Because just like people, animal are, animals are, are um, very affected by energy, energy mm -hmm. around them, whether it's human energy, whether it's a sickness, whether it's whatever it might be, animals are very, very sensitive, energetic beings. So they need that support 
just like we do. So being able to be the voice for them to help humans better understand their needs is an absolute blessing. Mm. Now, when I work with wild animals, that's usually um, people who have a, uh, a nuisance of a bear that might be coming around. And in New England, that can be mm. a bit of a problem for us, especially because nowadays many bears are being either put down or misplaced from their home. So by having conversations with the wild animals to find out what it is they need is an actual blessing as well. Beautiful. So do you find that it's how you're saying the human plays a role? So the human's energy plays a role in the domesticated, but does it ever play a role in the wild animal that animals that are coming towards them and into their reality? Absolutely. Animals again are are energetic being. So they feel everything that the, that the human is experiencing. So when we come across a wild animal in the wild, the animal is picking up our energetic frequency, whether it's fear, whether it's anger, whether it's whatever the, the emotion is in that moment, the animal is experiencing that. And believe it or not, there are many times where the animals are traumatized by the human energetic footprint that is left. So when I talk about um, our energy, it's not just our emotional energy. It's not just about that energetic footprint. It's also about what are we leaving behind? What are we doing and how are we showing up? Even when it comes to seriously leaving garbage, that is an energetic frequency that is harming the planet. It's harming the animal kingdom. You know, when we go into the woods and we cut down trees or we take things from the woods without asking permission, again, that is an energetic frequency that, believe it or not, is actually affecting the animal kingdom, whether we truly are aware of it or not. Absolutely. Yes. Every action has that frequency, right? And leaving garbage, you know, treating the animal kingdom and nature in itself, like it's not important, like it's just at our disposal is the heart of the another issue that we're currently in, but that's a whole nother episode and a whole nother podcast in itself. But, you know, break it down when you work with animals, what is it like? How is it coming through you, you know, for someone to tangibly understand, like, what does this look like in an action? Right. So when I'm working with um, domesticated animals, actually really every, every animal, I am actually hearing a full-blown conversation with the animal. Not only am I feeling everything that they are feeling, I have what they call the trifecta when it comes to the gift. So I can hear, feel, and see. Mm. So even if I'm not with an animal, I can catch connect to an animal anywhere in the world and have a conversation with the animal as long as I am shown either a picture of the specific animal. So it's not like I can just connect to an animal in Africa. I would have to know specifically that, say, an elephant in a sanctuary in Africa to be able to have a conversation. So I will have a full-on conversation with an animal. And it's usually best if I have specific questions so if a human has a question that they want to know about their animal, by going through me, I can have that conversation with their animal. I can actually feel what it is they're feeling, and I can see the animal in my mind so that I can better understand what's happening in the situation. Beautiful. Yeah. And so, you know, when you work with humans, right, we have to, you know, ask for consent, ask for permission 
um, permission, how does that work with an animal? You know, you can speak to them, but how does, how does that work? Is that part of it? Absolutely. I always ask permission of the animal to connect with them. I never automatically assume that they want to talk, but most animals as energetic beings, they do not have an ego and they do not have um, a misunderstanding of words or energy. They just feel the energy and they want to be heard. Mm -hmm. Animals want their voices heard. So I have never had an animal say no, that they don't (laughs) want to communicate. Um, They have beautiful messages and beautiful wisdom, and they're here to help us as guides, no different than our guardian angels or archangels or any other guides. The animal kingdom is here with beautiful lessons for each of us if we are open to listening to their language instead of our own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So how did you start on this path? Was this just something that you always had an ability to do as like a child or was there a pivotal moment in your life that brought you to this? I have always had the gift of being able to speak with animals, but as a young child, I didn't understand that's what was actually happening. It wasn't until I had a trip uh, to San Diego where I went to the wild animal park and had my first real full on conversation with a tiger there and had it witnessed um, by somebody that was with me that could actually see that we were interacting, that this tiger, the conversation that we were having, you could tell that this tiger was interacting with me by the way that it was moving, by the way that it was chuffing, by the way that it was just staring at me. We had a staring uh, contest, if you want to call it (laughs) that. for literally 45 minutes where we just sat in complete silence, you know, and to have that bond with an animal like that and have them just flood me with all of their information and just share that space, that energetic space with an animal. Sometimes it's just about sharing that beautiful energy and it's not always about the communication side of it. Sometimes they just wanna be held um, energetically in a loving space with no judgment, no expectations, with just complete compassion for the beautiful species that they are. Absolutely. And I feel like they're probably like, finally, someone's hearing me, you know, they're probably like, they're always talking to me, telling me how cute I am, but like, no one's actually listening to what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And the funny part of that is that most of the time they will say, I have been trying to tell them, but (laughs) Animals communicate in very different ways. They communicate through their behavior. They communicate through, you know, nudging you or, you know, simple things like animals that want to play. They'll bring you the ball and you're like, no, I'm busy. They're communicating with you in that moment. We're just so busy in our own lives and in our own worlds and the way that we as humans communicate that we forget to slow down and actually listen because we can all communicate with our animals. It's a matter of learning to connect on a deeper level than what we are open to seeing with the filter of our own egos and our own uh, thoughts and beliefs of how communication actually works. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to bring it back a little, how you said prior about the human causing, you know, a a disbalance of energy with the animal, right? Can you tell us an example of what that looks like? So if someone's like, my dog is so annoying, like, what do you do? You know, and they're listening to this. Can you just explain that deeper? 
Absolutely. So I work with a lot of rescue animals. So rescue dogs, especially are brought into homes. The people have expectations when they first see the animal, you know, the animal is usually traumatized when it's first coming up from wherever it's being delivered from. It's been in a car or a van or something for days on end. It doesn't know its surroundings. It might have had some serious trauma before. And they're coming into a house where the people are expecting something. The people are now anxious. They're stressed out when they start to see a behavior. Maybe the dog is um, using the house as a bathroom. Maybe the dog is barking. Maybe the dog is showing signs of separation anxiety or just plain fear, but didn't in the first meeting. Mm -hmm. So now people's anxiety levels, the animals are feeling that they're interacting with that energy. So when your energy in your own home is out of balance, how can your animal find that balance? Mm. So we really need to be aware of how we are acting around our animals. Another perfect example is um, if you're having a bad day and you're, you, you know, unfortunately we all do this. We're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We come home and we take it out on the ones that we love, right? So we're upset with our family. We're upset with our children. We're overwhelmed. We're stressed out. That energy is in our house that affects our animals. So we have to be really cautious in remembering that though they are animals, they feel energy even deeper than we do because they don't have that release like we do. We can talk it out. We can yell it out. We can stomp our feet. Animals don't have that same thought process and how they can release their energy. So many times they end up just internalizing it and it becomes a behavioral problem. Mm, Yeah. Or they just like shake it out a few times, but yeah, they don't have that ability to release how we do. And how can someone, you know, we recognize, all right, we've kind of disrupted the energy of a home, right? We see the dogs like curled up in the corner, like, oh, I'm scared of her um, or him. How do we reconcile that, you know, with the animal? Best way to do this is go within. It's not about going towards the animal and trying to fix the animal. We're not trying to pet it. We're not trying to make it feel better. It's bouncing off of our energy. When we go within and we can do a short meditation, we can go outside and take a walk and reground, working on our own energetic frequency first is going to help that dog. But the more anxious we become, the more stressed out we become over the situation, the harder it is to have that animal come to a relaxation point. So it's really about meditating with yourself, going into that quiet space, throw on some headphones, listen to some soft music. Anything that's going to break your energy up is going to help the situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And just like with anything, right? We can't fix anyone outside of us before we work on ourselves. It should just be the tagline, the slogan of life, right? Yes. <laughs> it's so important. And I mean, I realize that, realize that with my dog, he's a rescue and he came from a really tragic place, I think. I mean, I don't know exactly, but just how he came to us was, you know, I could tell. And when I first met him, he started to lick me and like, he was so sweet to me. And the woman was like, wow. He has never this whole day. Cause you know, he was at like a kennel. He was like, 
this whole day, so many people have seen him, but he was always hiding from them. But with you, he was like, he likes you. And then, the, you know, two weeks later, we brought him home. And this was the first and last time he fell asleep on my chest. And it was like, he felt safe. And it was really beautiful to give that to an animal. And, you know, when the energy is disarrayed or whatever, I'm always like, all right, it's safe. We gotta, we gotta make it feel safe again because he's picking up on us. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a major thing. And I mean, I've seen that, you know, with another dog in my, in my life, uh, when I was in college, I got a dog and he is such an anxious ball. And I remember I would just always like, Shh, and I would be calming myself down, but also calming him down. And he would always just fall asleep, like snoring. And I was like, Oh, um, and then now I realize when he's around my parents all day and there's a lot of anxiety in the home, he's God bless the poor little thing. I'm like, oh, what do we do with him? I'm like, you guys need to calm down. <laughs> but right. And here's the other beautiful thing about animals is that animals choose us. And we always think that we choose the animal. Like we see an animal on, you know, uh, a website or we see a picture of an animal. We're like, oh, I have to have that puppy or I have to have that cat or I have to have that bird. There's a reason that that picture showed up for you. Mm. And animals either choose us because we need them or they choose us because they are here to be a teacher for us. Mm. So many people end up with really, really difficult dogs when they are the kind of people that need to learn to slow down people yeah. that need to learn to become more aware of their own energy. You know, people who have really crazy busy lives end up with difficult dogs that need tons of attention. <laughs> Why? Because they are the teacher to come in and slow it down. Yeah. You know, take the time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then we have, we have the, the animals that are natural born healers. I mean, all animals are, but then you have the animals that choose the people that truly need them, like support dogs and yeah. even dogs that aren't trained to be support dogs. These dogs know, you know, these are the animals that are there for you as all animals are. I don't care what animal it is. It can be a horse. It can be a pig. It can be a sheep. It can be a dog or a cat animals come to you when you're not feeling well, they comfort you. They're there waiting for you, no matter what your day was like, they love you unconditionally and see into the soul of who you were born as. They don't get caught up in the ego. They don't get caught up in looks. They don't get caught up in conversations. They just get caught up in wanting to take care of you. Yeah. So notice your animals when you're not feeling well, they're going to be the first to jump on your bed. Or if you're having a bad day and you go and you visit your horse, the horse is going to nuzzle up to you even more so than usual because they can feel the energy in you. Mm, so they just want to be here to help. Absolutely. I always say our dog is just a gift. I remember when I saw him and I was leaving him at the shelter, he, it was these eyes he gave me like, I'm coming home with you. And I'm like, all right. Like, and I was so worried, but you know, he's here now. And he's like, we're always like, he's an emotional support dog. I don't know if he knows it, but he is. He knows it. <laughs> he knows it. A, he knows he's it. He's a funny guy. <laughs> um, I want to now dive into when you were talking about, you know, animals are our guides, you know, how and they're brought here as guides on the planet. You know, and we may hear people refer to the term of like spirit animal or can you just dive into that and we'll open up that segment of 
how do animals help us when they're not like our pets, but just like in, in the realm of existing? Right. So there, um, you know, we have such an amazing capacity of, of animals all over the world, everywhere. So animals are messengers and in certain cultures, especially the native American culture, they believe in animal totems and you are born with a totem that comes with you, that helps you and guides you throughout your life. Mm -hmm. And there are beautiful ceremonies to, to find your totem animal. But, um, if you're looking for just the messengers, the messengers are everyday animals. Like a lot of people will see a cardinal and think that it's a past loved one that's coming to visit. Now in the native, in the native American mythology, they believe that the cardinal is actually a sign of compassion. So when you see the cardinal, it's either yourself or someone else that needs that compassion. So anytime you see a cardinal, that's a message for that. So someone like me, I always see hawks. It's one of my totems, but it's also a reminder in the animal kingdom that you can see things from different perspectives if you choose to. Mm. So anytime you see a hawk, that is a message of that. If you were to see a bear out in the wild, that could very well mean that you need to stand your boundaries. You know, you need to create healthy boundaries for yourself and stand within them. Usually animals are animals that we don't see on a daily basis. So if you see a lot of squirrels, it could just be a reminder that mother nature is awesome, <laughs> but it could also be that at that time in your life, it's a time to gather, gather information, gather supplies, gather friends, gather support. So really what you want to do when you see an animal that's unique to your life, think about what you're thinking about in that moment or an experience in your life that is happening right now. And the animal usually will be that messenger of how you can move forward through it to help you experience it in a more balanced way. Mm. And do you support people in finding out what their animal, animal totem is? Yes. Cool. Yes. So absolutely. I um, offer meditations that will help you connect to that totem animal and find your guides. I, as well as a universal energy teacher, I offer energy sessions that actually connect you not only with your animal guides and any messengers that are coming through, but sometimes your guardian angels, past loved ones, or even the archangels, whoever your guides are. So animals are a big part of everybody's life. Animals will come in as beautiful messengers, whether it's a turtle to help you slow down, whether it's a cheetah because you just have so much frantic energy in your life. So whatever you're experiencing, they usually come through and, and give me a bit of an idea of <laughs> a message you may need to hear. But again, I always ask permission with the person as well as the animal kingdom before I even go into meditation to make sure that everybody is open to receiving any message in their highest good in that moment. Beautiful. So it, the biggest part is the intention behind the creation of the relationship. Yeah. And I, you were mentioned something prior about, you know, Native American mythology saying that the animal totem someone is born with, am yes. I correct? So yes. does that stay the same throughout someone's life or does that alter with what they're moving through? It absolutely can change. I have had uh, the same totems, but I also have spirit guides that come in and help 
support me throughout my life. But the totem that you are born with usually stays with you throughout your life. But then there will be different times in your life where you will feel a calling to a certain animal that you feel a real connection to. And it could be completely out of the blue. But if you were look up the spiritual meaning behind that animal, whatever it might be, you might see, oh, that's why I'm all of a sudden loving elephants right now, or I'm loving tigers, or I'm loving wolves, or whatever it is. It's usually because there's a transformation happening within your life um, that you need that guide in your life. Now, there's also times that many people have fears of animals, Mm. and that's an extremely interesting um, conversation to have about the Native American mythology, is that when you have a fear of an animal, it's usually their medicine you need the most. Mm. So many people have the fear of snakes. And if you think about it, what would be the possible reason to have a fear of a snake other than maybe what you've seen on television? Now, I know I had a huge fear of snakes, <laughs> and it beca- it came from Raiders of the Lost Ark. When Indiana Jones was in a pit of snakes, you're probably way too young for that movie, but... <laughs> I know what that is. Okay. <laughs> he was in a pit of snakes, and he made a comment, oh, why does it have to be snakes? And any time a snake was depicted in any kind of movie or anything else, it was scary, and they made it really fearful, But the beautiful thing about snakes is when I wanted to learn more about them, when I started to really realize what they were about in the animal kingdom and the messages behind them, I realized that it was my fear of transformation. Mm. It was my fear of not shedding what no longer served me holding on to, not being grounded in my own life, because snakes are all about shedding what doesn't serve them. They're all about transformation and change and growth, and they're all about being grounded to Mother Earth. Mm. So it wasn't until I really started to learn more about snakes and what they stood for, all of a sudden, I needed to have one. I wanted to work with one. And now I have a five and a half football python that is one of my most beautiful teachers when it comes to staying grounded and being okay with being in stillness Mm -hmm. and learning to shed and learning to change and transform. Now, I'm not saying that every single person who has a fear of an animal needs to go out and get one like I did. (laughs) (laughs) But you can honor them from afar. You can learn about them and say, oh, that's what they're about. So it's usually what you need the most in your life or the fear of in your life represents why you're afraid of that animal. Yeah, I'm really happy that you brought that up. I wanted to to talk about your your, um, pet snake. What is its name? Does it have a name? (laughs) She is, her name is Voltage. Um, But she comes through, depending on what is happening in my life, she comes through as either a male or female energy, depending on what it is I need. But she is an unbelievable teacher. Um, She can sit in stillness for months and not move. So unbelievable. And when I work with her in meditative space, I just simply wrap her around and she starts holding on. But as I go into meditation, she just completely relaxes and just hangs around my my neck like a necktie, just hangs there. And I always know when she's done in the space because she starts to move and starts to hold on again. Mm. 
So that is her letting me know, okay, you know, I've had enough time for me to time for me to be done in the meditation. And I received all that I needed and let's, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) So how did that work for you? Did you work on your fear first or did you meet snakes like on a tangible level and then work on your fear and then felt safe around them? How did your process go? I went from being scared to death to doing as much research as I could, just reading about them, about what they represented in the animal kingdom with their spiritual meaning. And once I really faced my own stuff, that's when the fear of snakes actually just started to disappear to the point where I had this need that I, I actually wanted to have one of my own. I wanted to hold one. I wanted to connect with one on a deeper level. And that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to go in and I'm going to find one yeah. and brought one home. And, and I've had her for, let's see, three, almost four years now. Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, but I mean, Yeah. I don't know if I can have one as like a a pet, but I mean, I feel like I've realized that with spiders recently, I've always been really scared of spiders. And then there was one on the floor next to me while I was practicing yoga. And I was just like, Oh, Oh no. But I wasn't terrified. And I just like picked her up in a cup. I don't know if it was her and I just took her outside. Um, so what's the medicine behind like the, I don't know, what are the three like most feared animals? And what are they related to? So snake, spider, and spider is all about stepping into your creative self, whether it's, yes. So, and that's a big one for people, their willingness to step into something that's going to put them out there. And it's usually either about writing a book, Mm -hmm. about speaking, like public speaking, or doing something really creative, like some kind of uh, artwork or something that's going to put their name out there. So it's usually about really stepping into that creative, that creative uh, spark and moving from there. The third one uh, is sharks. Sharks have, uh, people have a real fear of sharks. And this one I'm not as familiar with because I don't work with shark very often in my, uh, it's not something that comes through for people as a messenger. But um, if shark shows up, it's usually because you're especially sensitive right now. Uh, So be careful what environments and situations you expose yourself to. Um, and it's all, it's also about learning to flow and swim through emotions fluidly and with ease and grace. Mm. So usually shark is that medicine of learning to be more flexible, learning to flow with things instead of resisting them or, you know, pushing them away. Beautiful. And it's, that does relate hundred percent about the spider, how you said that. Um, I would never think that's what it was about, but I was always terrified of my own creativity my whole life, you know, and I've been really working on that now with, you know, sharing my voice. I have different things that have been moving and shaking in my life creatively. And I have made friends with my creative side. I've really helped embodied her. And it's interesting that that relates. So that's, And now you went from being afraid of snakes to now actually helping to save them. But here's the other thing, too, is people automatically want to um, hurt the animal that they're afraid of. 
You know, they want to kill the snake. They want to kill the spider. They want to kill the bug. They want to kill the bee. They want to, they want to like get rid of it and just, you know, have it out of their lives. What they don't understand when they do that is that's actually impacting the planets every single time someone chooses to rid us of one of those amazing, beautiful beings. And though you don't understand the being, and though you might be grossed out by the being, that being is here for a reason. Every single animal, insect, everything. There's a reason it's here. It's here to help our ecosystem. It's here to teach us lessons. And every time that we do something, we're actually creating imbalance within the planet. Mm. And what people forget is that once a species is gone, it's a piece of mother earth that we can never, ever get back. Mm. And though it may not affect you in your conscious awareness in your everyday life, it affects generations and generations and generations to come. So we have to remember to honor all species, whether you are afraid of them, whether you understand them, most are misunderstandings from our own being. But when we choose to take the time to understand their meanings, understanding their teachings and their wisdom and what they can share with us on a spiritual level, the more that we can come to understand that we truly are one energy. Yeah, absolutely. Makes me want to just go run out and open a sanctuary immediately. <laughs> like, you know, I get, you know, especially in the Northeast where we are, um, you know, the hate that people have for deer drives me up the wall. And I'm always like, I'm going to open a deer sanctuary one day and let them just roam free and tick up the whole area and whatever they want to do. It, you know, it hurts me. It hurts my heart. It hurts my energetic heart. And, you know, I didn't always save spiders. I didn't always save right. insects. I was always like, ah, ah, fuck it. And then now it's like, no, no, no. Where's the cup? How do I do this? Sometimes I need help because I'm still like, oh, I'm scared by it, but it's letting it go free. And I'm like, okay, it's out in the world on its own. Why am I, why am I killing it in my own house? You know? Right. And what people have to remember too, and this is what I always say, because I didn't always either. Yeah. Remember that as we know better, we do better. And as we do better, we help create the space for others to do the same. Mm. That was Maya Angelou, one of the most beautiful people on the planet that speaks for love and compassion and understanding and non-judgment for all beings. And that's how we have to choose to remember to show up is we, we are continuously learning. We're continuously making mistakes. We're continuously misunderstanding ourselves, each other in the animal kingdom. But that doesn't mean that we can't show up differently each and every time. Yes. Choose again, choose again, choose again. Absolutely. And that's all we can do right moment to moment. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday, you know, all that's gone. How can you be today and choose the energy, the reality that you want? in this moment, in the next moment to come. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I also want to touch on one other piece of, I know that you work with humane societies and organizations. So I would love for you to talk about, you know, yes, you work with, you know, just like one-on-one -on -one animals, but how do you work with organizations that are helping save animals? 
So here's a perfect example. Next week, I have a class. I'm co-hosting it with the Connecticut Humane Society. And what I do is I come in and I teach about universal energy and how to work with your animals in that meditative space, how to connect to your own frequency and others. So by working with them, they open it up and I teach their staff, their volunteers, the veterinarians, the foster families, anyone who's involved with the Connecticut Humane Society, and then they open it up to their public and send out an email to all the people that support them and they use it as a fundraiser. So mm -hmm. I give part of the um, money back to them to help them create uh, you know, an income-based, donation-based uh, to help more animals. So I do that with different um, rescues. So rescues just get in touch with me and I can teach a class. They open it up to all of their people. Um, but then I, I have this class where people can just learn on their own. So, yes. So, but I also offer my services voluntarily and complimentary through different rescues, um, offering either animal Reiki or animal communication for animals that are coming up with serious trauma um, and, you know, the possibility of being euthanized. Mm -hmm. And I see if I can work with them or if it's possible to help them or if it is an animal that does need to, to be put down. I can help that animal cross over in a, in a peaceful way through love instead of um, fear. Wow beautiful work that you're really doing on this earth. And it's really, really important. And especially, you know, in shelters and kill, you know, where they rescue from kill shelters, like we were, where we received our animal from. And if people that are working with them from the moment that they get, you know, retracted from that space to when they come into a home, they'll have such a better opportunity to find that forever home rather than to get further traumatized and yes. hurt. So this is really and important. We have found this through the Connecticut Humane Society, just them alone, that their staff, their veterinarians, their volunteers, the people who have the animals in foster care, those that have trained in animal Reiki and understand how to connect deeper with an animal, these animals are going to forever homes and not going back to the rescue. And if we could do that more and more and help people understand how to connect with their animals on a deeper level, then the animals wouldn't end up back in the rescues. They wouldn't be, you know, given back over and over and over again. And it's dealing with those traumas, like you said, when they first come in, instead of having somebody come into a shelter, see an animal, fall in love, have no idea what they are receiving, have the animal come home, the animal's there for sometimes only a few days, maybe a month, and they're immediately brought back. Yeah. But what people also have to remember is just like humans, they need time to settle in. And the more imbalanced the household is, the harder it is for those animals to settle in. So we have to be kind and compassionate, remembering that most of these shelter animals are coming from a traumatic experience. Yeah. They're coming from kill shelters where there isn't really a lot of love and compassion and no judgment to the people who work there. They are inundated with hundreds and hundreds of unwanted dogs and cats and all kinds of animals. So there's no judgment for how this is happening, but the more that we can become aware of our own energetic frequencies and how we can help these animals from the get-go, the more it's gonna shift. 
So my goal is to connect with more shelters and, and more rescue groups that can do this um, so that our animals have loving and, and forever homes instead of going back. Yes, so beautiful. So now I would love for you to share how people can connect with you and how they can work with you. We'll have everything down in the show notes, but just, you know, you can share it some of those ways. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So my website is www.beyondwordsandwisdom.com. Very easy to Google search me. You can also Google search me by my name, Kelly L. McCarthy. All kinds of ways are going to show up. You can email me at kelly at beyondwordsandwisdom.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. And I try to keep it nice and easy on Instagram. I keep it really easy with just Kelly L. McCarthy. So you can find me. Beautiful. So it's really just easy to cross-reference. I do have this class starting next month, but this class is ongoing and it's downloadable through my website. So people can take it anytime, but I also offer in-person classes with people who really want to go deep and do one-on-one, but I also offer Zoom classes. I offer animal communication services and everything is available right through my website. Beautiful. Thank you so much. This was such a beautiful conversation and we touched on all the aspects of how animals touch us and how we touch them. So this was really powerful. And I wanted to, we wrap up every sacred dance conscious conversation with asking you, what is your, your tip for those who are seeking balance in their reality? Ooh, best thing to do for seeking balance, go within have compassion for yourself in the process, but a really, really quick thing that you can do if you are ever feeling out of balance, because remember, when you're in balance, you feel good. When you're out of balance, you feel bad, right? It's that simple to know if you are in alignment or not. If you are out of alignment and you are feeling stressed out, very simple technique, take your thumbs, put them on your temples, and just slowly close your eyes and just gently pull the meridians apart in your third eye. It's going to help release tension. It's going to help release anxiety and stress, and it's going to help you get centered again. Mm, That's beautiful. I've never heard of that practice. That looked like it felt good. I got secondhand sensation. So um, I'll definitely try that out. And yes, if you are interested to learn more about animal communications, if you have any issues with your animals, or if you are connected to a shelter, a society, that works with animals. Kelly is your lady. So thank you so much for sharing your medicine, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the sacred dance. If you enjoyed the medicine shared here, check us back out next Thursday as there are new episodes released every week. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and YouTube. Be sure to rate and review the podcast as you check us out so that we can grow and spread this community of balance, sovereignty, and everyone finding their own nuggets of truth in it all. Thank you and see you next week. Mm -hmm.